here doing like soup to Kanasana on a rural African road that I'm like, Ryan, what is happening? <laughs> We're here for a quick bathroom break. Poor Jonathan is trying to be so gracious and kind, our driver, and he's looking at you like, and I was like, it's fine. This is just Ryan. This is who he is. We'll let really him back tracks. in the van. You're listening to Community Conversations with Edgedale Ministries. I'm Ryan Galenzi. Today, as you heard, we're speaking with Nadine Cricky, who's a primary educator at Cradle Elementary School in Langley, BC. I first got to know Nadine through Edgedale's Discover and Learn program, a vision trip for Canadian educators that we host every couple of years. So Nadine was part of this team that spent time with our partner in CCAP in Zambia, and we had a blast. After that time, Nadine was back in her classroom and was very intentional about incorporating her experiences into the classroom and has partnered with Edgedale on multiple school campaigns. I also like any conversation with Nadine because she's insanely funny. So throughout the next uh, few minutes, we recall Nadine's uh, master's work, some stories from Zambia and how you can take experiences and build them into work your students can own. It's, It's great stuff. Note that this episode was also recorded with our school relationship manager, Lori Koning. Lori is not in the office this week. She's out in God's country in Alberta, making a lot of school visits, sharing about our annual campaign. It's going to be good stuff. Okay, let's get into it. How did you actually come to know about Edgedale? Do you remember the first time you heard about the organization? Is there any specific memory tied to that? I think the first time I heard about Edgedale was with your old name when I was a student in school. And did some fundraising, I think, late elementary school, probably high school. And then myself as a teacher, when I was at the first convention, the BC Christian Teachers Convention, and I'm pretty sure I saw a booth there. So you know about Edudeo, it's, you know, maybe a little bit about it. It's not necessarily totally on your radar, but then this discover and learn opportunity in 2019 comes along. What actually prompted you to make that decision to sign up for the discover and learn opportunity? As a teacher, your job is pretty set and you know what you're getting into in certain terms, right? You know, when your vacation is, you kind of know what your salary is going to be and you know, the job description, but I've always loved traveling. So if I can find ways to travel and weave that in with teaching, that was always kind of a goal of mine. And then Africa is always just, everybody wants to go to Africa. And then when this opportunity came up, I just thought like, you know what, that actually sounds like a really good fit. I'm pretty new in my career. I love Edgedeo's mission with Christ-centered education, right? And making it accessible to kids. And I thought, why not see what it's all about and learn more? So then I was like, you know what, I'll just sign up. So did you just jump in without any reservations or did you have some things you were concerned about? It's it's a long trip. It's a big commitment and a new so, teacher. I think I had just come off of a pretty, I wouldn't call it rough because I love my students, but it was a pretty intense second year of teaching. I would say my first year was a lot easier than my second year. And I learned and grew a lot. And I was just feeling a little bit I think out of place, is this the career that's for me? Kind of lost sight of, like, am I a good fit for this? And then with the Discover and Learn trip coming up, just an idea of meeting other Christian educators. I'm like, that'll be a great way to connect. Meeting other Christian educators that aren't just Canadian, but from another country, from other schools, and just hearing their context and hearing them fired up for something that I'm like, I know I'm passionate about, but I was just feeling a little bit, where do I fit into this whole picture of being a Christian teacher? I thought the Discover and Learn would be a cool opportunity to discover and learn some more. Whoa, I see what you did there. Thank you. I love the way you frame that as feeling like a little bit burned out, but then wondering if something like this would serve as an encouragement, engaging with educators completely outside of your own context. Next time you see an Edgedeo Discover and Learn posting, remember that framing in your mind. Well, and I really loved, I remember messaging Hannah, 
who you referenced earlier, I had messaged Hannah before just asking a little bit more. What do you, what do you think? Is this for more, a more seasoned teacher or can I go, even though I've only been doing this for two years. And she really encouraged me. This is just a great opportunity for educators to get together. And I love that it wasn't framed as we're going there to do something, but it was just a mutually beneficial experience, which I really love that idea. Then I started really digging into what is Edgideo doing and where and what are their projects. I like what you're saying about sometimes not knowing if this is the career for you because the first couple of years are really, really difficult and it's very easy to get turned off from what you're doing and maybe to second guess it. Can you speak a bit more as to what it was like to come back and how your experiences affirmed what you were doing? Because you're still doing it, obviously. (laughs) Coming back, I just had this renewed energy that if someone can teach in a classroom with 80 students and make math exciting and engaging, math is not something I teach. Math is something I struggled with as a student. But I just remember watching one of the teachers in one of those Zambian classrooms teach a super engaging lesson and the students were all listening and it was 80 grade 11 and 12 students. I just thought that was so neat. And I wanted to bring that same kind of passion back to my own school campus. We have a really supportive staff where I teach and they were all very encouraging of me doing a trip like this, saying like, this is probably what you need to just get some more perspective. Gaining that global perspective too really helps you in your own local context. Classroom teaching can be very isolating in the sense that You are a little bit an island unto yourself. I mean, having an EA is another adult in the room, but it's often you and just your students. And you can chat with your colleagues at breaks or after school, which our school is great for, but it's awesome to just step into someone else's classroom and see that someone thousands of kilometers away has the same vision that you do for their work. And that really helped me come back that September and start at my school, just excited to share my experience with my students, to be able to chat about that even, and to know that my position had a purpose. I kind of want to jump back to our time, almost two weeks spent in Lundazi, where our partner CCAP is located. Are there things that stick out to you from that experience to this day still? Are there any stories that come to mind? There's so many good stories. I have never had so much fun going on a trip like that, even from flying out with the other BC teachers to meeting you guys in Toronto, like having zoomed with you a few times before and then being like, that's Ryan in person. Okay. I thought he might be taller, but there he is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think it was just so like, fun. Like, and- as he comes to the whole part, he's like, why is his mom still holding his hand? This- no, it was like, why is he wearing that pillow around his neck? We haven't even started this journey, man. Are you tired <laughs> already? We've got a long flight ahead of us. <laughs> Never buy anything in there. I make the decision that now more than ever is the time to buy a neck pillow. And even in hindsight, I really bought the wrong kind. I, I, there's two kinds of neck pillows. There's the ones that are firm right across the back. And then the ones that are squishy right in the back. And then they support the neck. I would hundred percent recommend everybody goes with the ones that squish down at the back. So you sink into the neck pillow a little more. Ryan just showed up in a padded neck brace. <laughs> and I was like, nice to meet you. What trip are we going on? <laughs> is there anything else that stands out to you from maybe your time with ccap definitely the hospitality was awesome i mean after those long flights getting to the airport and then immediately seeing jonathan like so ready to put all of our a thousand pieces of luggage on top of this poor little vehicle he was awesome at getting to the guest house in malawi there they were so hospitable and kind to us and then you know crossing the Order was quite the experience getting to walk across and 
hang out. And I just think, yeah, the overwhelming hospitality is really what resonates with me still to this day of everybody being so generous and welcoming us into the guest houses, the schools, and just really wanting to take the time to talk with us, which I thought was really cool. And I'm curious, was there any particular conversations you had with educators on that trip that stand out in your mind as well? So one of the big ones that I thought was really neat was there was an educator, I do not remember her name now, but she was working in one of the more rural schools that we visited. And she was teaching computers with a very limited amount of computers. And I remember that was when you were doing the Raspberry Pi project. So when I got back to my school in the fall, we ended up participating in that project. And I think what was so neat was being able to talk with the students about this teacher that I had met who was around the same age as me. We had a lot of things in common in terms of what we liked teaching, our philosophies of teaching. Yet here I was in Canada with all these resources and complaining that I wasn't one-to-one with Chromebooks or something like that. And here she was with four computers in a lab of which most of them weren't working for various reasons. So she just had like anchor charts on the wall of pictures. And I remember she was saying that the students needed to know certain computer processing skills for their exams, but they had no way to practice until they got to the actual exam. So I remember being like, whoa, that is a big difference than what I'm dealing with here. And like, how can I help? What would be helpful? And then seeing at another school, the Raspberry Pis set up in labs already being used. And I'm like, that's a very tangible way to fix a problem that this teacher is having. If, if any of you are have never are listening or not familiar with Raspberry Pis, I would encourage you just to Google it. And it's it's a quite a fascinating little device that a, a number of our partners have used. And a hat tip also to Derek Sherman, who's a professor out of Calvin University in Grand Rapids, who's done work with Edgedale for many years around introducing our partners to Raspberry Pis and facilitating trainings around faith and technology through Edgedale Ministries with our partners as well. Was there anything particular learned about the nature of Edgedale's partnerships while in country that surprised you or was new or was eye-opening for you? I think it was just really cool to see it happening in real time and just seeing their offices and talking about the challenges that come with communicating in very different time zones. I know some of the connections that I've made still in Zambia and people I talk to now, like they'll text them and eight hours later at the beginning of their day, they'll send something back. I really applaud Edgedeo in being able to connect with partner schools like that because it can be frustrating or if, you know, internet's out or... That to me is really eye-opening, the amount of extra time it takes to communicate with partners. On the flip side of that is how dedicated and passionate the partners are about working with Edgedeo. Um, I know I had some conversations with Collins about that too, just him expressing how, of course, we want to communicate, we want to get back to them, we want to work with them. Seeing CCAP and the amount of time that they put into that and really being dedicated to working well with Edgedeo was neat to see too. Outside of the time spent with CCAP, the time spent with schools, are there any other memories that stick out to you? I know we we went on a safari. Part of um, I had the, I think, best room on the safari because I had the like private room, giant king size bed. Yes. We, we had two we had two members on the staff who actually in the middle of the night, didn't they have like an, an elephant? An elephant charge at them. Yeah, because we were at a shared camp and there were some other people who, I think they were German tourists who did not follow the rules <laughs> and poor two people on our group. One of them being my old kindergarten teacher who was a very <laughs> afraid of the animals. She was the one I think as we were driving to the safari with the great fear of being charged by an elephant. And then it happened. <laughs> Isn't that like fear the of success for a safari though? It's like, if you go on a safari and you're not charged by an animal, have you like, what was the safari? point? Was there anything uh, in particular that you found difficult about the experience? It wasn't difficult for me in the sense that I am not a car sick person. However, 
if you are car sick, I do caution people that the roads, because of the different seasons, like they explained it to us when we were out there, how the roads change to get to the different schools. The, your routes have to change because the roads get washed out during the rainy season. So because we were there in the dry season, we didn't have as many issues with that, but you can definitely tell the roads are not like the roads you're used to in North America. So if you are not comfortable riding in a big party bus over some bumpy roads, bring some gravel is my recommendation. I think party bus is, a, is an apt way to describe what we rode in as well. I do have those memories back of that van taken out, right? And I don't know how yeah. many of us were like crammed in. I think it was eight people sitting like knee to knee. Now, if you are five four like I am, I had ample leg room. I don't think anybody above Lucky. five four did. <laughs> so I just sat across from the tall people, Ryan, yeah. Kayla. Right. Yes. Whoever. Right. Totally forgot about that. Which actually works. Future reference for anyone going on this trip: stagger your trip with people tall and short. Or tall versus short. There was that one um, middle of the road yoga session that you hosted on a long drive. I took so much heat for that. I can't understand. Like we've been in a vehicle for about what felt like thirty-seven straight hours driving uh, from the long way into Landazi, and so we stop. And I think. What would a human, what is normal thing for a human to do when you've been cramped up in the back of a car? Go on the road, do some stretches. And people thought that was ridiculous. No, you were out here doing like Supta Bada Kanasana on a rural African road that I'm like, Ryan, what is happening? <laughs> we're here for a quick bathroom break. Poor Jonathan is trying to be so gracious and kind, our driver. And he's looking at you like, and I was like, it's fine. This is just Ryan. This is who he is. We'll let him back tracks. in the van. <laughs> Wasn't even there, and I can picture this so clearly. <laughs> oh, Lord, you'll have to ask the next question. Hold on a minute. <laughs> no, I want to hear more stories. Well, on along the same vein of stories from Zambia, I know that you share a lot of your experiences with your class and your students ever since you got back. Uh, are there any go-to stories that you include in your... The bathrooms. The bathrooms are always my go-to stories, not only because it's the current campaign, but we just take for granted the luxuries and the privacy that we have in, in our schools and our homes as well. But in the schools, you have to be like the locals. And I think that was a big, that was a big topic of conversation often between us teachers, because I think there was also a lot of women on our trip coming back, like the students, I always enlighten them to what that would look like here. And I'm trying to think another big go-to is just talking about dorms. Our students are not used to that whole concept. So I have made them one time, we like moved all the desks and they laid on the floor. I'm like, how comfortable is that? They're like, can I have a pillow? And I'm like, mm, maybe you're lucky. You're a head girl, have a pillow. <laughs> right. And just the idea of shared space and privacy are huge. And those often come back because the students get very territorial over their desk space or their cubby space. You might get your own individual desk or some days let's put four people around one. Yeah, I love that you're bringing these things up, Nadine, because this is perfect for our annual campaign for schools that this year we've been raising funds for a dormitory and six washrooms in Zambia. And we try and make that as real as possible for students. And it's really difficult to do if if you haven't seen it or if you haven't at all had to be in a situation like that. So you have a really unique opportunity to bring your own story into that, that these things I have sometimes when I'm doing a presentation and I say things like when a girl in Zambia goes to the washroom and even that phrase is not necessarily true. They don't necessarily have a specific space to go to yeah. the washroom. They could be going in the bush. They could be 
trying to find somewhere as private as possible, which takes time and, and all these other things. So it's really difficult thing to make it real for especially younger students. So good on you for using your experiences there. Part of the reason we wanted to talk to you, and I'm going to pump your tires here for a second, is that you, you're kind of an example of, of a real success story from an edu- of our organizational perspective of what we hope happens to individuals who participate on these experiences like Discover and Learn or like a co-impact team. You came back from your experience in Zambia from what we've seen, you know, begin to integrate the Edudeo story into your classroom and find ways to make that experience part of Kratos' experience. And I'm just wondering if you could share a little bit about that. How did you kind of take what you experienced there and integrate it into your classroom experiences and also into these school campaigns? So I think what's really awesome about the Edgedale trip is that I came back being able to and being encouraged to share my story of what I saw. I've always loved storytelling for anybody who knows me. <laughs> so when I started at Credo, they had an awareness raiser committee that I joined, which I now run with some other teachers. Basically, we raise awareness and funds for different organizations. I and mean, Edgedale is one that I'm very passionate about. I love to get my students involved, whether it's the awareness raiser team that we have with our middle school or individual students in my class, creating videos, encouraging the kids to really take ownership of it because the students that the funds will affect are their age, which is really cool to see and tying it into other curriculum. It's so easy to do. Like, I really love working with Lori now too, because I can email her and be like, Hey, I'm doing this unit in my social studies. Do you have anything for that? She's like, yeah, let me get back to you. And I've have some really great resources that I've used that I've shared with colleagues for their lessons and just getting a little competition and with fundraising is always fun. I love that. We've done a lot of boys versus girls with the recent campaign, which always gets kids pumped. I think the biggest thing is talking about it with people and sharing my pictures, my stories, my experiences. People are always, I find they're more connected to the campaigns that we do at school, the more fired up you are about it. And because I'm really passionate about Christian education, then I think it makes it come to life, right? And we have a really great community here that is very supportive of our school, of our teachers, of the students and their learning and of Christian education, which makes it awesome to be able to ask for donations, be able to have kids go home and encourage them to do some extra chores or call up their grandparents and explain to their grandparents what the campaign is about. Um, and why it matters to them as kids. So getting a lot of community buy-in that way has been a huge part of our success here with that. Have you had any other experiences that have shaped what you do in the classroom? And I mean, kind of more specifically, the global education aspect. Maybe you haven't gone on another trip like the Discover and Learn trip, but have you found that after you went on that trip that you're looking for other kinds of experiences to bring into the classroom? Definitely. I'm always trying to find different ways to give the kids that kind of experiential learning, I guess you could call it, whether it's finding people even local to where we are. I know it's not global mission because like, I would love to just take all my students on a big long field trip to Zambia, but that is not feasible for us. But just being able to connect with different people and getting the kids connected with other adults and other school kids their age outside of my classroom, wherever I can. Because it's one thing for me to just share a story with them, but to add a picture to it, to talk to somebody else, to Zoom with another class, to discuss with even a class in another province. All those I find are great opportunities to just get kids thinking outside of their own local bubble and thinking globally. We have a lot of like world maps in my classroom that we refer to. And anytime we talk about a country, I like circle it so they can see 
just trying to help the kids be more globally minded in our lunch devotions. The students write their own prayers and there's a whole section about who can we pray for locally, but also globally. And just thinking beyond our current context for what we're doing. So have you seen that have an impact on the students through the years? Like why do you feel like being globally minded is such an important thing? I think it's so important to be globally minded. And I definitely had my eyes open to this on the trip. I guess it's not that I didn't know before that, you know, there's other Christian schools, but when you go on the ground and you're there in a school where they're praying with students and they're singing and they're doing devotions and they're having just a normal math class. And then they're talking about what does it mean to be good stewards of your money? Or they're reading a book in English and they're connecting it back to something that, you know, relates to a Bible story that we read. This is exactly what I do in my classroom, thousands of kilometers away. Christian education is no different anywhere in the world. And to me, that boils down to Christians are no different from each other, regardless of where you live, regardless of what access you have to material goods, technology, different things like that. And I just want my students to think outside of themselves. What does it mean to be you know, outwardly missional in your community, in the global community, and just have them thinking globally. I think we get caught up in our own lives very easily here, and there's nothing wrong with being involved in your local community and doing things like that. But I think it's a disservice to students if we don't open their eyes up to the fact that there is a big global world with tons of other people in it that God created and tons of opportunities that are out there for them. So even if I can have you know, one or two students stick with them. Remember that crazy teacher I had in middle school who was always sharing pictures from different places she traveled and talking about these stories. If I can get them to be thinking globally and thinking, you know, where is God calling me even when they're 11, 12, 13 years old? I think that's a big, that's a great thing that we can do for our students. I am curious. And again, if there were no associations here, you don't have to Trot, make that connection just but I know you're currently you've just finished up a master's of education did your experience with CCAP and with, through Edudeo like did that actually inform any of your master's work I think a huge part of me applying for and starting my master's so I started it I guess almost uh, almost 10 or 11 months after getting back from Zambia I don't think I would have started my master's if I hadn't done the discover and learn trip to be completely honest with you Holy after my second year of teaching, I was very, like Lori said, just burnt out and unsure of if this was a good career choice. I mean, I had spent six years in university. I would love to be a career student if possible. <laughs> and I came out thinking like, it's tough the first few years of teaching. And it's not to say I didn't have a great support. It's not to say I didn't have wonderful students. It's just a lot, right? I had moved to a new place. I wasn't sure of how I kind of fit into that context. And then going the Discover and Learn trip and meeting other Christian educators chatting with you and Hannah about Edgedeo's work, meeting with the partner schools, meeting with the partner schools, teachers, seeing their students. I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. I need to jump into this with both feet and not be hesitant anymore. This is my calling. This is where I feel I need to be. And then what am I going to do for those next steps? And I think starting my master's was huge with that. And having that global mindset was helpful. And my focus in my master's, I did curriculum and instruction, but with a focus and a specialization in special education. And that was something that I'm super passionate about now. And thinking about the schools in Zambia and talking to some of the teachers about their um, ability, their lack of ability to serve students with exceptionalities was something that I thought of often in my program and thinking, well, how would this work in that classroom? I know how it would work in my context. That would be easy to do, but how could that work in that Zambian classroom that I was standing in? What could be done with what they're already doing to include more students 
So a lot of that honestly did come up in my mind as I worked through some papers and projects and talking to different people. So a couple of thoughts about advice for teachers. I'm thinking of different scenarios. So for example, let's say you have mentioned that you are a newer teacher, you went on Discover and Learn Trip, and it helped you to determine that, yes, this is something that you want to continue pursuing and your home is within the education world. What about for a teacher who has been teaching for 20 years, very comfortable in their role? How do you see an experience like Discover and Learn playing into their career journey? Do you feel it could be an asset still? I think for teachers who have been teaching for a long time or any veteran teachers would totally benefit from going on a discover and learn trip just to see the global scale of education. I think, like I said before, it's so easy to be in your classroom and in the weeds for those 10 months of the school year and marking and grading and planning and assessing and getting to staff meetings that taking some time in the summer to just take a few weeks out to remember why you joined your your profession and to just think about your craft from a different lens is really cool to meet other teachers doing what you do, just having fun. Like there's nothing like a group of teachers getting together and sitting in a room, all reading their own books. (laughs) It was like book club every night. (laughs) You are right. It's so important to do that every once in a while to put yourself in a situation where you can be excited again about what you're doing because the days are long and the school year can be long and there are lots of little things to to manage and to be concerned about. And so stepping away, having an experience, whether it's discover and learn or something smaller scale uh, is so important. So that kind of leads me to another question I had for you, Nadine, is that what if there's a teacher out there who is excited about the possibility of a discover and learn type of trip, but it just doesn't feel like something that they're willing to step into, whether it's time constraints or just hesitant. What are some other other things they could get involved with or other experiences you think might be helpful to have a similar effect on their classroom teaching? I think what's another great way to get connected is having you in the classroom. It's one thing for me to talk with my students, but then I'm like, oh, we have guest speaker Lori coming and the kids are automatically pumped. They have questions. They want to listen. They'll listen for a whole hour. I'm like, I can't get them to listen to me in socials for an hour. Um, And I think it just gives them that cool context. Like I had students do a presentation a couple of days after Lori came and talked to my class about poverty and they were looking at picture books for kids with the topic of poverty. And one of their questions is make two connections to something else that you've learned or heard or read from this book. And I think more than half my class said, oh, I can make a connection to the poverty cycle and broken relationships, what Lori talked about. And that was no no prompting from me, right? So they learned so much from people beyond their teachers, right? And I think even when Ryan came into my class and my students were so offended that Edgideo did not have a flag, (laughs) that we all of a sudden had an art project where we were creating a flag. And just the things that stick with them from other adults, right? They And they go they go home and they tell their parents, oh yeah, so-and-so, Ryan talked to our class and parents are like, who is Ryan? What was he talking about? And they're like, oh, Edgideo, it's really cool. They have this campaign right now. I'm going to break the leaves and make some extra money to donate. And parents see their kids getting fired up about this, right? And who doesn't want to join in with a 10-year-old who's passionate about something? Okay, one last reminder before you go, the Road to Hope Hamilton Marathon is just around the corner. First weekend of November here in Hamilton, we have families, individuals running 1Ks, 5Ks, 10Ks, a half marathon, full marathons in support 
of our partner's training center that is being built in Zambia, you can go to www.edudeo.com backslash R2H. Find someone you know who's running in support of this amazing cause. Throw a few dollars there. We'd, we'd love to hit this fundraising total. And also, if you want to sign up last minute, especially if you want to go cold turkey on a marathon, make it happen. Let's see you sign up in support of a great cause. Okay, take care and we'll talk again soon.